Hi, it's David here. Since lockdown began, this podcast has been bringing you the latest news, analysis and features on coronavirus. We will continue to do that, today looking at the apparent eradication of the disease in New Zealand. But with the George Floyd protests leading the international news agenda, we feel it's important to step away from coronavirus a little and look at the impact they're having. As always, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and give us a rating through your podcast provider. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is the leader... Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm David Marsland. New Zealand is coronavirus free. I did a little dance. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I showed Neve. She was caught a little by surprise, but um, she joined in, having absolutely no idea why I was dancing around the lounge, but enjoying it nonetheless. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern admitted to a dance with her daughter when she found out. How did the country do it? We speak to New Zealand Herald journalist Amelia Wade and... <laughs> Met Commissioner Cressida Dick writes for the Evening Standard to denounce disgraceful violence during Black Lives Matter protests. We speak to our Home Affairs editor Martin Bentham. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, how did New Zealand boot out COVID-19? Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honouring highly requested new colours for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We have tested almost 40,000 people for COVID-19 in the past 17 days and none have tested positive. We have had no one in hospital for COVID-19 for 12 days. It's been 40 days since the last case of community transmission, 22 days since that person finished their self-isolation. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announcing the apparent eradication of COVID-19 in the country and the almost complete lifting of lockdown restrictions. It follows a woman in her 50s in Auckland recovering from the infection. It has not come easy. New Zealand's restrictions were among some of the tightest in the world. 22 people died. But for now, it's over. And so today, I can announce that Cabinet has agreed we will now move to Level 1 to get our economy fully open again, and we will start almost immediately. We move down to COVID-19 alert level one from midnight tonight. 
How did they do that? Well, Amelia Wade, a political journalist at the New Zealand Herald, was at the press conference where the news was announced. She joins me now. Amelia, New Zealand had its first case 101 days ago. And now the country's virus free. Virus free as of today for the first time, as you say, in just over 100 days. So it's been really good news. Our Prime Minister said she sort of had a little dance with her young daughter in the lounge while uh, sort of intense but um, very good-natured health chief said he allowed himself a broad smile. And I know where I work in the press gallery in Parliament, you could hear the whoops up and down the hall. So it was definitely something to celebrate today for sure. There aren't many countries, there's a few, but not many who can say that they are COVID-19 free right now. What has worked in New Zealand? Well, sort of we've had about 75 days now of some sort of restriction. On the 23rd of March, actually, our Prime Minister announced that we'll be going into alert level three, which was quite restrictive. And then in 48 hours, we're going into the four week uh, lockdown. So that was some of the toughest restrictions in the world. So only essential services were open. We could only go to the supermarket or basically to the doctor or the hospital or to go get a test. And that ended up being just over four weeks. So that was a really sort of tough time. We all had to do social distancing. We had some very intense testing and like you couldn't even get a takeaway. So it was really tough. And we all sort of look forward to our sort of daily government mandated walks outside. So that that really worked for us. And then we sort of have slowly moved down the alert levels. So we've now had four weeks at this quasi normal alert level two. We've, you know, been able to somewhat go about our normal lives. There are still quite strict um, measures in place for hospitality. So um, we have to enforce social distancing, you only can have one server and that sort of thing. And so we've only had about four weeks of that. And that's really been able to help the government and our health officials sort of narrow down exactly where the cases are and make sure that everyone is isolated. And luckily, we haven't really seen a second wave that they were uh, expecting. So I think that lockdown's really really worked for us. It was really, really tough though, by your own account there. Did the country in general kind of toe the line on it or was there resistance? Well, no. I mean, the government was almost under pressure to go into lockdown. So people were calling to close our borders before the, the government actually closed them. We sort of had the benefit of being a little bit behind some of the rest of the world with their outbreaks. So we could already see what had happened in Wuhan, what had happened in Italy. So everyone was really aware of how dangerous this virus is. And so everyone was really on board. And in fact, one of the polls that one of the um, news stations here ran showed that 90% of the country supported lockdown. So it was broadly accepted. We also got into a bit of a narking culture where sort of people were cutting twitching and we had the police even had to set up a report line so that people could report if they thought that their neighbor wasn't, <laughs> wasn't enforcing it. And then when we sort of, we moved to alert level two, you could have gatherings of 10 people and people were out there sort of counting with their fingers of saying I'm pretty sure my neighbor's got 11 people next door so everyone really towed the line and was really really sort of responsible towards those measures which again really helped and the Prime Minister today thanked everyone for their efforts because it really was a mammoth task. So you're moving to level one now does that mean that everything's just back to normal now? Pretty much. I mean, you know, it's life as normal as it possibly can be amid a global pandemic. So 
we've got two rugby matches, which will have real life spectators this weekend, which um, everyone's really looking forward to. We can, you know, go out, we can sort of mingle, we can, you know, have weddings and funerals, we can have all of life resumes, we don't have to line up outside the supermarket anymore. It's all back to normal, except we have an extremely, extremely strict border measures in place. So anyone coming into the country goes into isolation for 14 days at a government mandated facility. They are held there and previously they haven't all been tested. They were only tested if they've got symptoms, but today the um, Ministry of Health announced that they, everyone coming into the test um, country will be tested twice. So they'll be tested upon arrival and then tested again, because um, that's really where we're going to get our active cases now. So it's really important that we keep that restriction in place. Although, interestingly, there is a lot of talk and a lot of desire to open up our borders with Australia and some of the Pacific Islands as well. So yeah, that's it's life is normal, but with border restrictions. And hopefully, I think everyone's hoping, you know, if we get any new cases, they will all be in quarantine and isolation at the border. And when they're recovered, you know, they can go about our lovely lives in our New Zealand bubble. Because your, your Prime Minister did say that she does expect there will be some new cases coming up but that doesn't mean it's a failure no no it doesn't it means i mean they are quite hesitant to say covid free because i don't think they want to put um sort of false hopes in case there are some asymptomatic people and we get a few flare-ups here and there um, but I think broadly what the hope is, is all of our new cases will be the people, come, New Zealanders coming back into the country. They have COVID-19, but they are managed at the borders. And then so our general public is, um, you know, COVID-19 free. Because um, one, one of the things we said from the start is the worst thing we could do for our economy is to go back up alert levels. So we don't want to go back to alert level two. We want to stay at alert level one. So it's sort of keeping it out as much as possible and quickly isolating it and uh, anyone who's tested positive. Part of the way that New Zealand's apparently going to be keeping track of things is through these things called digital diaries. Can you tell me what, what those are and how do they help? Uh, yeah, so our government, our Ministry of Health launched a NZ COVID Tracer app. So uh, there's been more than 500,000 downloads at the moment. You go up to a business and they have a QR code and you scan in and you, you know, have your brunch or whatever. And then that keeps a track of exactly where you've been so that if you do test positive, you can then go back and see where you've been and then alert it that way. It's not Bluetooth enabled, so we're not sort of, it doesn't come into contact with anyone. It can't tell you if you're registered with someone else. That's something that the government's still working on. But it's literally just a digital means to keep a diary of where you've been so that you can retrace your steps easily. And, and the final question, Amelia, is, is what are you going to do now? What Me, personally? Oh, well, I think I'm going to have to go out for a few dinners. Um, maybe this weekend there'll be some celebrating. I'm looking forward to going to see, you know, some comedy, um, you know, some live performances and that sort of thing. That will be very good. It wasn't smooth sailing. It has truly been a really big sacrifice for every New Zealander. And, our, you know, Jacinda Ardern keeps saying our team of five million have had to give up a lot in order to get us to this point. But... You know, now that we're here, everyone's certainly celebrating, that's for sure. Next.
policing needs to be by consent and to actually mount the scale of policing operation which would be needed, you may well have fueled further violence and had a, a negative effect in that respect. Home Affairs editor Martin Bentham on the troubles of policing a protest during a pandemic. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There were 65 arrests in London during a weekend of Black Lives Matter protests. It's a fraction of the thousands who turned out. But Met Commissioner Cressida Dix, written in the Evening Standard, to say while she understands the utter horror and anger around the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, she was appalled by scenes that saw 49 of her officers injured, several seriously. Our editorial column says the issues around the protests seem to be causing some of our public figures to send mixed messages. It's right that George Floyd's death in Minneapolis should be a catalyst for far-reaching change. But we are also in the midst of a national health emergency. Ministers whose moral authority has been undermined by the Dominic Cummings affair have sought to make this clear, but others have dodged the issue. Labour's Shadow Foreign Secretary Lisa Nandy, whose views were endorsed by her leader Sir Keir Starmer, says that she supports the right to protest, but that people should socially distance. London's Mayor Sadiq Khan said only that protesters should stay within the law. Both were being disingenuous. It's unlawful to gather in groups of more than six, regardless of social distancing. If they think the cause merits law-breaking, which is a legitimate argument that history has shown to be sometimes necessary, they should say so explicitly. There's also been muddled thinking about the health dangers involved. The Bishop of Dover, Rose Hudson-Wilkins, claims the protesters responsibly weighed up the risk. But the reality is that the protesters will, if the science is right, have cost lives which will not be their own, but people they've never met. After witnessing what happened this weekend, many might conclude that there's little point complying with the rules when mass flouting of the law is indulged. That's wrong. There are better ways to protest while protecting lives. Our Home Affairs editor Martin Bentham joins me. Martin, London's not out of lockdown. Can the city and its police 
cope with this number of people on the streets during a pandemic. The coronavirus regulations make it unlawful to gather in, in groups of more than six. And clearly, if you're turning up to a mass protest, you're gathering in a group of more than six. You're not complying with the law. And it's not just a law for the sake of it. The law is there because it's meant to be protecting people, not just the people who are there at the event itself. There seems to be a lot of confusion about this. It's not about the risk to yourself when you turn up to an event. It's about the risk of spreading the virus further onto people who are potentially more vulnerable than yourself often. It's about protecting the old, the vulnerable, and so on. And of course, the other irony of this is that the protest was about Black Lives Matter saving Black lives. But actually, the, unfortunately, the evidence so far is that the disproportionate number of people who are dying from coronavirus are from ethnic minorities and minority backgrounds, if the scientists are correct. The unfortunate reality of what has happened is that the virus will spread more quickly, more people will die than otherwise would have been the case, and unfortunately more of those people will be from a minority background. That is the scientific evidence as it stands. It may turn out to be wrong, let's hope it is. It must be incredibly difficult to police a situation like that with so many people there, so much anger there, and this additional problem of coronavirus spreading inside the city. Well, I mean, clearly that is a concern. And some people obviously, quite understandably, have thought, what on earth is happening? Why on earth are people being allowed to flout the law in front of our eyes in the centre of London in large numbers when the rest of us are being subjected to you know, new quarantine rules? So, of course, lots of people will look at that and think, why on earth has this happened? Why wasn't there a more robust policing plan in place to stop people gathering this, these large numbers? The Metropolitan Police's answer to that, and indeed I think police elsewhere, has been that actually it's very difficult to do that. If people do turn up in large numbers, policing needs to be by consent. And to actually, in a situation such as this, if you try to mount the scale of policing operation, which would be needed to have prevented a large-scale demonstration of this type happening, then you may well have, have fueled further violence and had a, a negative effect in that respect. The police, obviously, as usual, are stuck <laughs> in between two spectrums of those who want them to be very robust in enforcing law and those who are critical when even limited measures are taken to try to restrain people in these circumstances. You can read Cressida Dick's article in the newspaper or at standard.co.uk forward slash comment. And that's the Leader Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standards live blog, which you'll find on our website. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm.